Let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. Clarence Jackson was late by three days, and it cost him 5.8 million U.S. dollars. It all began in October 1995 when Clarence bought a lottery ticket from the U.S. government lottery. He gave the ticket to his father to keep, but then forgot to check his ticket when the winning numbers were announced. Many months went by before Clarence remembered his ticket and decided to check the numbers. So imagine his joy upon discovering that he had the winning ticket, a ticket worth 5.8 million U.S. dollars. Well, Clarence took his ticket to the lottery headquarters to claim his prize. But it was then that he got his second shock and his joy turned to grief. When he went to claim his prize, lottery officials informed Clarence that the deadline for him to claim the money had passed. He had the winning ticket, but he didn't meet the requirements to claim the prize. 5.8 million U.S. dollars won and lost. Had Clarence paid more attention to his ticket, I'm sure he would have claimed his prize right away. Had he known the shortness of the time he had to claim his money, he would have surely acted sooner. But his lack of concern over his ticket led him to be unaware of its value. And the fact that he was unaware of the ticket's value caused him to be unprepared to cash it in on time. And that led to the biggest loss of his life. Today, Clarence Jackson's name is synonymous with missed opportunities. In fact, in the USA, unclaimed lottery prizes are often called Clarence Jackson jackpots. It's difficult to understand how Clarence could possess such a valuable prize and yet be so unconcerned and unaware of its value. How could he buy a lotto ticket and then be unprepared to cash in for the big prize. Yet before we judge Clarence Jackson too harshly, we need to realize that many of us are making a similar error in life. You see, by the grace of God, we've been offered something far more valuable than 5.8 million US dollars. Because Jesus died and rose again, we've been freely given an eternal inheritance. We have abundant life here on this earth and eternal life in the world to come. We've been promised by God that no matter what takes place, we will survive and thrive when we follow the Lord Jesus. Yet how many billions of souls neglect to cash in on this free gift? Many are unconcerned about the condition of their souls. They simply don't believe in their need for salvation. Many others lose out on salvation simply because they keep putting off a decision to follow Jesus until it's too late. Sadly, many today are in danger of missing out on the grace of God simply because they don't act on what they believe. That's why today's message is so important. The fact is, even though God has given us all the promises we need to survive the end of the world, there's still something we must do. There is a requirement we must meet in order to survive the end of the world. That's what we're going to discover today in our sermon titled, Requirement. But before we learn today's truth, let's bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we come to you in this time of great need. We ask for your grace and mercy. We come to your throne of grace and we pray that you will abundantly shower us with the power and the ability we need to do your will. Give us the faith that is required in these end times that we might follow you and serve you 
and that we might be reunited with you in heaven once this life is over. We submit to you now. We bind every voice of the enemy that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit, the power that gives us the grace and the strength and the faith we need to answer your call and fulfill your requirements. We thank you by faith now in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. I want to invite you to take a moment with me right now. Put your hand on your chest, join your faith with mine, and pray after me. Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome again to Truth For Today. It's great to have you here with me as we continue our sermon series, How to Survive the End of the World. Last week, we began this sermon series with a sermon titled, Ready. And to help us learn the truth last weekend, we took a look at Noah and his generation. You see, Noah is history's greatest survivor. He and his family survived the great flood when everyone else was destroyed. And we discovered last week that in Matthew 24, the Bible tells us, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be when Jesus comes again. So not only did we look at Noah, but we also took a look at the people in Noah's day. And we discovered that Noah lived in a generation where people were unconcerned about their souls. They were unaware of the judgment and they were unprepared for the end. But Noah was able to survive the storm because he acted differently than everyone else. Noah is history's greatest survivor because he didn't follow the crowd to do evil. Instead, he followed his faith to overcome. And from the example of Noah, we learned the three steps we all need to take to survive the end times. We have to pursue God's priorities, we have to possess God's perspective, and we have to prepare with God's purity. Now, if you happen to miss the first sermon in the series, I encourage you to go to my YouTube channel at Pastor Richard C. Whitcomb and watch the sermon titled, Ready. It will help lay a foundation for all the other messages in this series, How to Survive the End of the World. And that brings us to today's sermon. Last week, we learned the three steps we need to take to get ready for the end times. And this week, we're going to learn the requirement we must fulfill to survive the end times. Our scripture text for today is found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. I'm going to ask you to read this passage out loud with me right now. Are you ready? Here we go. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your hearts in Jesus' name. And everybody said, by faith. Did you notice that the Bible tells us three times that Noah survived by faith? So Noah is not only history's greatest survivor, he's also one of history's greatest men of faith. It was because of his faith that Noah survived the end of the world in that day and time. So what was it about Noah that shows us his faith? And what do we need to do to have faith like Noah so that we can survive the end of the world? Well, today, let's dig deeper and discover the three truths about the faith required to survive the end times. And here's your first truth today. Faith attracts the favor of God. Listen to what the Bible says about Noah in Genesis 6-8. But Noah found favor with the Lord. 
We know Noah had faith because he had favor. And faith always attracts the favor of God. That's why faith is the requirement you need in order to survive the end of the world. See, faith moves the hand of God on your behalf in times of trouble and in times of need. You can have a lot of good things about your life, but without faith, you won't survive. But when you have faith, your faith always catches God's attention and brings his favor. That's why Hebrews 11:6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Simply put, faith is the requirement to receive what you require. Faith is like an alarm clock that you can't ignore. No matter how sound asleep you are, it keeps ringing and ringing till you wake up and get out of bed. So God can't ignore your faith. Faith is like a police roadblock stopping cars on a highway. You have to pull over. You may be going with speed. You may be driving a huge truck, but you are forced to stop by a simple policeman and the barrier in the road. So also God stops to attend to you when you have faith. Faith is a phone that keeps on ringing till you pick the call. So God picks your call because of faith. Faith is like someone knocking at your gate and knocking at your gate and knocking at your gate. And no matter where you are in the house or what you're doing, the man won't stop knocking till you come to open. And God says, if you keep on knocking, the door will be open for you. Faith is like the child that won't stop crying till you pick her up and hold her. And God won't leave you alone when he sees your faith. For faith is something that grabs God's attention, stops him on his way, causes him to answer, opens doors, and makes him pick you up and meet your need. All men are created equal in God's eyes, and he is no respecter of persons, yet our faith has a direct impact on attracting God's attention and his favor. That's why 2 Chronicles 16.9 teaches us, For the eyes of the Lord search back and forth across the whole earth, looking for people whose hearts are perfect toward him, so that he can show his great power in helping them. Right now, God is looking down on this world. Right now, he's looking for anyone whose heart is filled with faith so that he can show his great power to help such a person. See, it doesn't matter how bad things are in your life right now. Your circumstances don't hinder God's power from working. God is not limited by the trouble in your life or the turmoil in your family. He's only hindered by your lack of faith. That's what we learned from Noah. Noah lived in a dark day. The Bible says the world was full of evil. Men's thoughts were always only evil. But the darkness of the world didn't prevent God's light from penetrating Noah's life and bringing deliverance. In fact, the darker the night, the greater God's light shines. That's why Romans 5.20 says where sin increased, grace increased all the more. And you may be surrounded by enemies who are fighting against you. Your world may be filled with pain and sorrow. You may be surrounded by sin, and it seems that Satan has his way. But listen, friend, where sin increases, grace increases. You don't need to fear the problems around you. You need to have faith in the God within you. For the darker your storm, the greater will be God's deliverance. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. Your destiny is not determined by what happens in the world. Your destiny is determined by what happens with your faith.
The world around you doesn't determine your destiny. The environment you live in today cannot limit the work of God in you. God is greater than the storm. He's greater than the evil aimed at you. He's greater than any problem in this life. But this is the problem that's hindering so many of us from possessing faith that survives. We often base our hope on the things we see rather than on the word of God. If things look good in the external realm of this world, we get excited and hopeful. But if things look bad and dark and stormy in this world, we become discouraged. That's why Jesus asked in Luke 18.8, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? For you see, in the end times, a lot of circumstances will look bad. And many people will look at the difficulties of the end times and they'll lose heart. But God's favor in your life is not determined by the situation in your circumstances. God's favor is not determined by what's happening in the economy. God's favor is not dependent upon your financial status or the political party in power. It's based on your faith. Back in 1984, when my wife and I lived in Nigeria, the economy hit a rough patch. The Naira was falling fast and prices were going high. The government was struggling to put measures in place to salvage the situation. And in those days, we had a system in place to evaluate how things were going. We called it the OMO barometer. We measured the progress in the nation by the price of OMO the washing powder. If the price of Omo went up, we knew things were bad. If the price of Omo came down, we knew things were getting better. The price of a simple washing powder was what we looked at to determine what was happening in the economy. And that's how it is for a lot of people today. We all have our own Omo barometers. Some of us look at the news and depending on what we see and hear, we get excited or we become depressed. Some of us look at the price of cocoa or the price of gold or oil. If the price is up, we start planning how to spend our millions. But if the price goes down, we start cutting corners. For some of us, our barometer of how things are going is the exchange rate or the interest rate or the political party in power. For others, it's how many likes you get on your Instagram post. We take our sense of peace, our sense of security, our sense of well-being from external events in our world. So what's your OMO barometer? In other words, what do you look at to give you peace and security and a feeling of well-being? Are you looking to God and his word or are you looking to things in this world? Because in the end times, the things in this world will fail you. If you trust the things of this world in the end times, you won't survive. But friends, you don't need to look at natural events to survive the end of the world. You need to look at God's word. Your destiny is not determined by what happens in the world. It's determined by what happens with your faith. If God said he would save you, and God said he would guide you, and God said he would make a way for you through the storm, then you don't need any other barometer. You can know that you know that you know that you will make it because God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. That's why when Jesus spoke about the end times, he told us to have faith 
and not to panic. In Matthew 24, Jesus is having a heart-to-heart talk with his disciples. He tells them about all the troubles that are coming to the world. He says there's going to be wars and earthquakes and famines and diseases, betrayal and persecution. But then he gives them the amazing words of encouragement. Listen to his words from Matthew 24. Jesus told them, you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Tell your neighbor, don't panic. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it. And then the end will come. So think about what's happening. Jesus tells us plainly that there will be all kinds of storms. Many men and women will be filled with fear. But we, the children of God, are not to panic. We don't need to be alarmed. All these things must take place. But Christ is victorious in all these things. And think about what he tells us in verse 14. The gospel, the good news, will be preached in all the world in spite of the trouble of the end times. The good news will be preached. When the Antichrist rules, the gospel will still penetrate the world. There's no place on earth that the devil can keep the gospel out in spite of wars and famines and diseases and persecution. The good news about Jesus' victory will still be proclaimed. And that means there is no place on earth that God cannot send his presence. In verse 14, Jesus said the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world. Sadly, many people think the end times are the times when Satan rules on earth. Many view the last days as days of darkness and sorrow, and they are, but there is no darkness so strong that the light of God cannot shine there. There is no pit so deep that the love of God cannot reach there. And that's the message for us from Matthew 24, 14. It means that there is no place and no time when the devil can limit God. The gospel will spread to every corner of the earth. There's no place that God in his power cannot move. And so it is in your life. No matter how dark, there's no place God's power cannot move. No matter what others may have done to you, there's no area of your life God cannot heal. No matter what Satan has done to you, God can overcome the devil. There's no area of your life that is beyond the reach of the good news of Christ's victory. And as Christ's victory is manifested in your life, you will be in a position to spread that victory to others. And that's what happened with Noah. See, here's the amazing truth about Noah's life of favor. Even before he was born, his father spoke blessings over his life. The name Noah means comfort or rest. Listen to Genesis 5.29. Lamech named his son Noah, for he said... May he bring us relief from our work and the painful labor of farming this ground that the Lord has cursed. Noah's father had an expectation of goodness, blessing, and favor for his son. And our heavenly father has an expectation of goodness and blessing for us, his sons and daughters. Our heavenly father named us the light of this world, the salt of the earth and the messengers of freedom. We are his ambassadors, his children, his heirs. We are priests in his kingdom, and we are a holy nation. We are a mighty army rising up in these end times to bring his glory to the earth. And God has a vision for you and me to be a comfort and a relief to the needy in our world. 
But the fact is Noah was anointed to live in his generation and you're anointed to live in this generation. God has you here right now in these days and at this hour for a reason. You're walking in favor even while the world is stumbling in darkness. And that's why you can rejoice no matter what takes place around you. Regardless of what governments do, you can be confident in your God. Regardless of what the devil does, you can be confident in your God. Regardless of what happens around you, you have the power of God within you. Once, a few years ago, there was a remote village where the boys came out to play football on a hot Sunday afternoon. One side was being beaten badly, and the score was getting worse and worse. Yet the boys cheering for the losing side seemed to be getting happier and happier as they watched the match. They would occasionally shout and cheer and clap, and it didn't make sense. The boys who were standing on the sideline rooting for the losing team didn't seem bothered by the lopsided defeat as they watched their side get beaten badly, yet they stood on the sidelines rejoicing. How could they rejoice when their side was going down in defeat? The reason is this. As they watched the match in front of them, they were also listening to the radio next to them. And on the radio, they could hear the report of the national team playing far away in the capital city. And the national team was winning its match. The boys were reacting to a greater event than what was before them. And so it is for us. When we see all these things happening, we don't need to respond to what we see. We need to listen to God's word and respond to the greater event. The unshakable king is bringing his unshakable kingdom to this earth. That's why faith is the requirement to survive the end times. Faith brings God's favor, and his favor will carry you through the storm. His favor draws us near to him and keeps us safe in his shelter. And the closer you come to God, the greater your faith will grow. For you see, this type of overcoming faith comes from fellowship with God. And that's our second truth today. Faith is built on close fellowship with God. Listen to what God tells us in Genesis 6-9 about Noah. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. Think about what the Bible is saying. Faith and fellowship with God go hand in hand. It was his close fellowship with God that gave Noah the faith to survive the flood. And the same thing is true for you. If you're going to survive the end times, you need a close walk with God. That's why the book that God gave us to prepare us for the end times is called Revelation. It's a revelation of Jesus. And in the book of Revelation, Jesus continually reveals himself to us. For example, this is how the book of Revelation begins in chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. Jesus laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. So God gave us a revelation of who he is to enable us to survive the end of the world. Throughout the book of Revelation, Jesus reveals himself to us because to survive the end times, you have to walk in close fellowship 
with Jesus. Right now, he wants to take you beyond hearing about him to knowing him. He wants to take you past being told about him to being with him. That's what happened in the life of a man named Job. Listen to his words in the book of Job, chapter 42, verse 5. He said, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. And that's what all of us need today. This is the day and the hour we need to walk in close fellowship with our God more than ever. There are so many voices in the world trying to drown out God's voice. Social media, broadcast media, print media, all clamoring for our attention. That's why Jesus repeatedly tells us these words in the first few chapters of Revelation. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit. In fact, he repeats this same statement eight times in the book of Revelation. Because to survive the end times, you have to tune in to God's voice. Once there was a mother who lived in a simple flat in the very heart of the capital city. She lived on a main road, and there was constant noise, sirens wailing, ambulances going past, cars blowing their horns, TVs blaring, radios blasting, hawkers calling. There was a constant din of noise, and some of it was very, very loud. But in spite of all the noise, this woman was able to go to sleep at night and tune out the noise. And yet, surprisingly, when her young child cried from the other room, this mother would wake up immediately and rush to pick her child. She was able to tune out the noise of the street, but tune in to the noise that mattered most. And so it must be for all of us. We must be tuned in to God. We must stay close to him so that we will hear his voice above all the noise of this world. And when you walk in close fellowship with Jesus, and when you keep your ear tuned to his voice, you will have the strength to survive the storm. That's why Revelation 12, 10 and 11 says, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. We overcome by the blood of Jesus and by our testimony. That is the strength of our personal experience with the Lord, our personal witness, what we've seen and heard firsthand. So when we know him personally, we will develop faith that survives. One time a mother and her young son were out on the farm when a sudden violent storm arose. They rushed to take shelter under a large mango tree, but the little boy was still afraid. As the lightning flashed and the thunder rolled, he began to shiver and cry. The mother tried to calm her son, but he couldn't be calmed. He was shaking and weeping. Then the mother said to her son, look, what is in my hand? The son looked and saw that the mother was holding a cutlass from farming. It's your cutlass, he said. Then the mother said, are you afraid of my cutlass? The boy said, no. The mother said, don't you know this cutlass can kill? Don't you know that I could use it to strike you right now? But the child said, but mommy, I know you wouldn't do that. You love me. I can't fear the cutlass in your hand. And the mother said, so do not fear the storm, for the storm is in God's hands. Trust in him. He will take care of you. And no matter how the storms blow at the end times, you can trust God. He's got the storm in his hand, and he's got you in his hand. 
There will be terrors in the end times. There will be judgments in the end times. There will be wars and disease and famine in the end times. What we've seen with coronavirus is just the beginning of sorrow, but we need not fear any of those things, for God has the end times in his hands, and all things are under his control. That's why Jesus said in Luke 21, 28, now, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. The closer you get to Jesus, the more faith you will possess. And the more faith you possess, the closer you get to Jesus. See, faith is not something you use once in a while when you're in trouble. Faith is a lifestyle. It's a daily moment-by-moment experience where you walk in close fellowship with Jesus. As it says in Hebrews 10, 37 and 38, in a little while, he who is to come will come and will not wait. Now the just shall live by faith. In other words, living by faith is directly tied to Jesus' second coming. So many of us today have been deceived about faith. We think it's a quick fix for any problem that comes along. But faith is the way you live, not just a temporary solution for your trouble. A lot of churchgoers today get excited when they hear the promises of God. When a man of God makes a faith declaration, they jump up and shout, I believe, I believe. But friend, if you really believe, you will walk with Jesus every day. Faith is not something you keep hidden until you go to church. Faith can only develop through a daily walk with God. You can't just pull God out of your back pocket when you need him. That type of religion won't keep you during the storm. You've got to begin walking with God every day now, drawing near to him and making him the center of your life. And this is where so many of us are going wrong. We want a word of comfort or a word of promise or a word about our future. But the word you really need is a word about Jesus. The word that sustains you is the word that gives you a revelation about God. Because at the end of the day, it's who Jesus is that gives the promise power. It's who Jesus is that carries the most comfort. It's who Jesus is that's the foundation for our faith for the future. The only people who will survive the storms of the end times are those who walk in close fellowship with God, those who listen and obey. And that brings us to our third truth today about overcoming faith. Faith results in following God. Listen to Genesis 6.22. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. We know that Noah had faith because Noah followed God. His faith was seen in his actions. When no one had ever built an ark before, Noah built one. When no one had ever seen a flood before, Noah believed God and prepared for the flood. And the same thing is true for you. Faith is seen in the fact that you follow Jesus. The greater your faith, the more obedient you will be to God. The proof of your faith is not your excitement. The proof of your faith is your obedience to God's word. The evidence of your faith is not necessarily that you have money or success or that you prosper. Those things may come to you because of faith, but it's possible to have those things without faith. After all, there are a lot of rich sinners. There are a lot of prosperous criminals. But the real evidence of faith is seen when you follow Jesus. Your obedience to God is the proof of your faith. The person with the greatest faith is the person with the greatest obedience. See, faith is not positive thinking. 
there's nothing wrong with positive thinking. I believe in positive thinking. It's certainly better than negative thinking. But positive thinking is not the same as faith. You can believe all kinds of good things, but if you don't do what God says, you're not living by faith. Faith is seen in your obedience to God. And faith is not positive confession. You can say all kinds of good things, but if you don't do what God says, you have no faith. Faith is seen in your obedience to God. It's simply agreeing with God. That's why faith results in obedience. That's why the Bible says in Amos 3.3, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? And faith brings you into agreement with God so that you walk together in the same direction. Faith results in obedience. When you believe God, you do what he says. And that's the faith that will overcome. That's the faith that will survive the end of the world. Oftentimes, we fail to obey God because we don't understand how things will work out. We don't see the way forward, so we refuse to trust in Jesus. But remember that Hebrews 11 says about Noah, he obeyed God even when it was concerning things that had never happened before. And there may be things that God will tell you to do that you've never done before. You'll have to stretch your faith. You may have to fall backwards when it looks like there's no one there to catch you. But when you prove your faith in obedience to God, he will prove his power to you. One night, a house caught fire, and a young boy was trapped in his bedroom upstairs. His father and mother had escaped out to the compound, and his father stood on the ground below the bedroom window with outstretched arms. The father began calling to the son, Son, jump, I'll catch you. He knew the boy had to jump out of the house to save his life. But all the boy could see were flames and smoke and blackness. He couldn't see his dad, and he was afraid to jump out the window when he didn't know where he would land. His father kept yelling, jump, son, I will catch you. But the boy protested, daddy, I can't see you. The father replied, but I can see you, and that's all that matters. Today, you may not see the way out, but God does. He sees you in your need, and he has a plan to bring you out. When you trust in his everlasting love and power, he will deliver you. Hear the word of God to you today from Hebrews 10, 35 and 36. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Friend, no matter what you're passing through, don't throw away your confidence. Don't throw away your faith in God. When you keep your faith, it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere. You need to keep going. When you've done the will of God, when you've followed him in obedience, you will receive. When you have faith, you will be rewarded. That's what Jesus himself tells us in Revelation 3.11. He said, I'm coming soon. Continue strong in your faith so no one will take away your crown. Stay faithful. Walk in faith. Act in obedience. Don't listen to the world around you. Listen to the God who died and rose again for you. For when you have faith, you have God's favor. When you walk in faith, you walk in close fellowship with Jesus. And your faith will cause you to follow him so that wherever he is, you will also be there. That's the requirement 
survive the end of the world. Almighty Father, I pray for everyone watching and listening right now that you will speak directly to their hearts. Open the eyes of our understanding and tell us what we need to apply to our own lives from this message. Speak to us clearly. Convict us of the areas we've fallen short and build our faith today. Draw us closer to you as we walk in obedience so that we might be equipped and prepared to survive the end of the world. We thank you by faith. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House, New Testament Church in East Avon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30, 9.30 or 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience. We're here all